they say can be done. We've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I'm East Mountain, what no bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal. Some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out because we got a run to make. Welcome to Highway Freak. I'm Bry Guy, your host, and we have standing by my brother from another mother, J-Man, and oh yeah, the sexy October centerfold, Will the Thrill. How are you doing this week? I'm good. How about you, Will? I'm I'm not bad. Well, I hear we've all had bad, bad days. So I guess we will just share with our listening podcast audience how bad our day was. And Jay, you have the stage. <laughs> well, considering it's my first run since coming off of my uh, days off, it was just absolutely horrible. Uh, traffic was insane. And just people driving like nuts arse. They're just cutting you off, slamming on their brakes. You know, it was insane. Terrible trip. Hey, buddy, whereabouts are you tonight? And what time are you in? I am in the Pacific time zone, and I'm just outside of Riverside, California. Look at that. And then coming in to Calgary is Will the Thrill. Uh, tell us about your day and how that went, Will. Uh, it went it went pretty well. Um, but you know, there was uh, there, there was a lot of <laughs> a lot of hiccups. Um, I'm not gonna name. But I got handed a bunch of different brands of laptops, you know. There's a couple of brands in particular that I'm I'm not real happy with right now. So, yeah, it's uh, oh, we going to struggle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you how my day went, guys. I am actually in Mississauga, Ontario. The time here is about midnight, and um, my day was just wonderful. I did a laundry here at uh, the yard, and someone decided to steal my stain remover. Bastards. Can you believe it? What the f***? <laughs> you have no luck with they, people. Yeah, with they, people. Everybody keeps stealing your shit. He stole my stain remover. You <laughs> believe that. A $2 f- item with a camera below the goddamn laundry room. I must have thought he was on Ed Sullivan or something. <laughs> oh, look at me. I'm stealing my stain remover. Look at me. I got his crazy ass. So, that was our week, guys, and um, we have uh, some new topics to talk about, of course. I am going to talk about stupid things in Canada and the world, and yes, we are going to talk about art. J-Man is going to talk about the history of Bugs Bunny, and you heard it here first. We are going to break the news. Shiny are setting up police stations in Canada. There you go. Okay, yes, and I'm not on cold medicine either tonight, guys, uh, so there you go. Hey, guys, we have a new Twitter. Did you know that? It was me earlier. I did. Yeah, it's called Highway Freaks on Twitter. So it's a capital H with a capital C, but the, the freaks are E-E-K-S. The Highway Freaks is small K lettering, and that one is on Instagram, by the way, Okay. Um, if you guys hear something that you don't like or something you want to hear or you just want to give us a review of how we're handling things, let us know. Um, you can email us at BWS, that's Bob Water Sam underscore bear holdings, like the animal, at yahoo.ca. And we've got uh, Jay with jpatrickmoore70 uh, at gmail.com and we'll give 1988 
at hotmail.a. Okay, so um, we have quite a lot of uh, topics to talk about, and um, well, anybody wants to start, you can start. I think, J-Man, you're really well, anxious to tell you uh, tell all our listening potty, uh, podcast audience about the history of Bugs Bunny, and I'm really oh, well, We're going to get to the history of Bugs Bunny in a minute. Okay, all right. Um, I want to tell you a little something that happened when I was on. <laughs> oh. Now, oh, oh, okay. I, I told you this one earlier. <laughs> now, yes, you did. I, now, I'm not naming names. Um, he's already probably doing a lot of explaining to his dad. Um, now, where I live, the road is like I kind of live off the highway, and my driveway is actually about a 7% grade. And it's gravel, and it goes up, and it, it it turns off onto a logging road. Now, there's about eight houses on this. Now, I got up in the morning. It was uh, uh, Saturday morning. Now, when, I, when I'm at home, I usually get up, make coffee, walk blindly outside in my robe, and have my coffee outside. Now, I go outside, and there's a tow truck in my yard, well, in, in front of my house. On this grade, smashed a car on it, a new car, I will tell you. And the guy, who I'm not going to name, there with his brother. His brother was laughing at him. And uh, he was, like, he, his face was cut and everything else. So, you know, I you know, I didn't know anything about it. Well, I asked him, I said, what the hell happened? And certain somebody just said, turned deep red and said that he doesn't want to talk about it. And walked away, and his brother really started laughing and said, I'll tell you. Apparently, at around 2 o'clock in the morning, certain somebody and his girlfriend got out of the car, and she decided to crack her technique glacia. We all know what that is. <laughs> and the car rolled away on him. And with his pants around his ankles, he tried to catch the car, fell down, and the car rolled down the hill. And at the end of the hill is a hard 90, and it went over the embankment. And the airbags went off, blew the windows out of it, smashed the f***ing <laughs> end of the front of the car. And that's what I saw in the morning. So I'd imagine, in fact, because it was his dad's car, I'd imagine that uh, he, he's going to be walking for a while. And that's pretty much what can happen. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> are like, uh, you never well, know what you're going to get, and they always taste different. Well, you know, I've done a lot of stupid shit in my life, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> I mean, I, I've done some, I've never done anything that stupid, but I've done. Um, I think we all have. But uh, I mean, I do got it. I do got to tip my hat to the lad. I mean, um, I'm, I'm just going to smile, and all I got to say is that you know, here's to you, buddy. <laughs> I mean, you've got a story to tell your friends around the beer table and the campfire for a long time. Ah. So, um, Jay, with that note, um, did you want to talk about the history of Bugs Bunny and get into that? Yeah, let's have, let's have at it. Um, no, I've always loved, I mean, I'm sure you love Bugs. I love Bugs. Anybody, most people love Bugs. I mean, he was he's just a, a great cartoon character. And I got sent this post about Bugs Bunny, and I got reading it, and I was just, just stuff I never knew. Um, I never knew anything about it, and I, so I decided... You know, I was telling you about it, and we decided to put it on the podcast. Now, Bugs Bunny first debuted without a name, and it was around 1938 um, in a Porky Pig cartoon. Now, Porky Pig and Daffy Duck 
we're, I think, about a year ahead of the creation of Bugs Bunny. Um, now, they needed another character, so they came up with a rabbit. And in the early days, he could fly by flapping his ears and all that. And his voice, done by Mel Blanc back then, um, and it was a cross between Daffy Duck and Woody Woodpecker. And that was, of course, done by Mel Blanc as well later in later years. Now, it was created by uh, Chuck Jones, Riz Freeling, and Mel Blanc, and Bob Clampett. Now, these guys were, they created, oh, the Roadrunner, the, the Coyote, um, Foghorn Leghorn, Tweety Bird, Sylvester. I mean, all these famous cartoon characters grew up. And when they were doing the Bugs Bunny, and they finally gave him a name, released in 1940, and Bugs Bunny was had his own his own show. And uh, anyway, the uh, the Fritz uh, uh, Freeling and Chuck Jones were huge fans of Clark Cable. Now Clark Cable did a movie that was that, that was uh, done in 1932, and it actually stayed theaters for 10 years. And the movie was called It Happened. And what what they did is in one v Clark Gable, and he played this real walk smart-ass guy who was a reporter. And anyway, eating a carrot, that is where Bugs Bunny gets his, his character from, eating carrots and all that. And so in 1940, the Bugs Bunny character released. But he was still unrecognizable compared to what we do today. In 1948, the Bugs Bunny that even today was made. And up until, I think, 2021, his voice changed. And, you know, the rest is history. His girlfriends were always the same. Lola came in 1996 with Space Jam. But before that, from 1942 all the way to 1996, it was Honey Bunny, same rabbit. So he has girlfriends, and he even had a wife in 1942. And that's pretty much about all I can say about Bugs. Let me ask you a question. Did Bugs ask me all the questions you want? Nope. He never got divorced. Never got divorced. So No. Oh, and another thing I forgot. I didn't write this down because I, I didn't find the information out uh, out about it until late earlier today when I was unloading. Right. He outsold every actor in Hollywood in war bonds for war Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he was used as a recruiting device. Those cartoons have been banned in Canada, by the way, because I guess we're not growing up enough to watch them. But, oh. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, some of them are... <laughs> Some of them are pretty racist, I will say, but, you know, I, when you're in a war, the gloves are off anyway, so to me, that's just, that, that's just history, so I don't really get my inches over history, not like some. What about you, Will? Do you have anything that to add to it? Uh, no, um, well, other than interesting random facts. Well, I'm a, hey, I'm a pillar of useless information. <laughs> I love that, though. I am, man. If you need to know anything that'll save your life or um, help you in everyday living or anything else, don't ask me because I can't help you. <laughs> no, I'm serious. All the shit I know is absolutely useless. Speaking <laughs> of useless, I'm boy, oh boy, that was one of my biggest, probably my biggest pet peeve is seeing art that is just wasted money. And, um, 
I just want to mention a few things. Like uh, we'll get into the art, but I wanted I wanted to tell you what the city of Edmonton they're uh, spending 170 million dollars on bike lanes. That's what I said, bike lanes. That's right. Something that's only good for about you know six months of the year. You know. Um, meanwhile, you have 2,000 homeless people in the River Valley that are camped in it all year. Now, I've got a solution. To check this out. You get town council in Edmonton to vote for the homeless that they get all the stolen bikes from the police auction. You attach a wagon with a pop tent on it, and then they can camp all around the new lanes of the 100 kilometers of bike lanes in Edmonton. What do you think, guys? I got a better idea. What's that? Well, I mean, I'm not from Edmonton. Um, I'm not even from Alberta. Um, but uh, BC is the land of youth uh, politics. They come up with absolutely ridiculous money-wasting bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I think they I think they went to school in Edmonton. The Edmonton politicians took a course with BC politics to learn how to be. That's how they now, um, I say you want you want to piss away that kind of money of the taxpayers' money. On something so ridiculous that you, I won't say it. Well, I guess all you politicians in the dead of in the dead of winter when it's thirty, forty below, like it gets in Edmonton, you have to ride a bike. Yeah. You have to ride a goddamn bike to work. I'd love to see that. Um, but yeah. speaking of useless money, Edmonton continued. Not only that, prior to this, because they do they make a lot of stupid ads, but they have the largest set of balls. Called the Palace Dome. It's located on the southeast uh, area of the Pointel Bridge. Now, it's only cost six hundred thousand dollars for this piece of shit, and I guess I could call it the largest mound of rabbit poop because it's just like a giant uh, bag of like marbles, uh, you know, or a gobstopper, and it just it just literally cascades. It's the dumbest thing you've ever seen. But if you want to find the uh, the giant sausage to go with Set of bugs, okay? <laughs> then you just go to there and there's a giant <laughs> sausage sitting there in the town uh, as a statue. On that note, Calgary has the dubious honor of having the largest blue ring in Canada. Yes, that's what I think, guys. It costs $470,000 for this round, round, I said that, round piece of crap art, okay? That literally, as you come into Calgary, you see it on your right-hand side, you go, wow, great. Well, what a thought. So, um, so yeah, so there's, there's, there's my little lump of shit to tell you about stupid things that happen in Edmonton and Calgary. But let's get into some art. Oh, yes. Okay, so speaking of crap, Kianos, I think it's pronounced San Diego, there is literally a lump of shit statue. It's, car- it's actually kind of like a log. It's curved like a log, okay? Um, and you guys can Google this. You can go into um, uh, stupid art in the world, and you can actually this. I tried to put it on Facebook, but the Facebook police were uh, added again, and they would not let me go. Um, so we'll leave it at that. But, it, yeah, it's actually curved like a giant log. It's crazy. Um, but even funnier. It's way funnier. Santa Claus is holding what looks like a giant butt plug in Rotterdam in the <laughs> Netherlands. I kid you not. He looks like he's holding a giant butt plug. It's unbelievable. I just, I don't even know where, I don't even, even know what to say with that one. Um, there's a giant duck statue with a pig's ass, curly tail and all, in Turkle, Finland. That's lovely. Okay? But 
in Luxembourg, Germany, two ears are having at it in a coil position. It looks like the bigger one's actually giving it to the smaller one. <laughs> but that wasn't funny enough. In Venus, Halifax, on a campus of all things, is what would you call a um, what's it? A terrible sexual accident. Not a word of a lie. It's a set of uh, cement balls extended with a phallus. And it seriously looks like the side of the shaft exploding. <laughs> so this is what I guess what happens to you when you don't practice safe sex. Statue <laughs> up on a campus. Oh my lord! In Des Moines, Iowa. Okay, not this guy. Even sillier. This gets dumber. There's a long penis tower. It's supported by what looks like to be soft balls. So I think they call it the penis poop statue. In Bunch Arnhem, Netherlands, a statue of a large balloon-like breast with black and brown-shaped nipples. I'm not kidding. This is not, I'm not making this up, guys. You Google this, you will see. So that's the breast one yet. In Helsinki, Finland, by far the most ugliest statue. It's a giant head and complete torso of a weird-looking man with his long arms, but, well, you're not going to believe this. Guess where his arms are? Do I want to know? <laughs> He's holding his wiener, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Like, like, I don't even know how people can justify this as art. Like, X-rated art, maybe. But, yeah, no, I kid you not. Google uh, stupid statues in the world, guys. You will see exactly what I'm talking about. I'm going to try and get some on Highway Freaks Computer Geeks uh, on Facebook. And um, you'll see that... Uh, I wasn't smoking when I told you this. This <laughs> is crazy. Unbelievable. Um, so, Will, getting back to you, you definitely want to expose something. I know you want to expose something before I get into reading Chapter 1 of uh, the book, uh, Temporary Satisfaction, which we started last week, by the way. Um, but I definitely want you to have the stage, and, uh, yeah, you can... Uh, this is your, your moment to uh, let people know exactly what exactly is going on in Canada. And I would say it's by nefarious means. Take it, away. Yeah, well, <clears throat> so there... Now, anybody can practice Google dorks, okay? You can you can go onto Google and Google dorks, <laughs> literally. You can get a whole cheat sheet of this. When you start using them, you'll, you know, come across documents that, you know, um, might be hard to stomach. Um, they're, like, Canada has always had this thing with China, and if you Google police stations being set up in Canada, you'll come across articles that state that there's over 50 police stations, uh, being set up in over, well, what, what looks to be five continents, three of which are in the greater Toronto area, and they say that these, uh, these stations are for finding Chinese nationals, right, so they're for according to document, to bring in the, the Chinese criminal. Now, even, you know, even if that was, you know, when you dig a little bit into this, there's a document with um with Canada and China. They signed together for a business development plan. Um, there's a climate change plan. There's a bunch of different. And um, our prime minister has gone on record, say, that he supports the, China, well, basically how China deals with their rating stuff. This can be found on YouTube. Um, there is, at least for myself, a big concern as, you know, it kind of like, it kind of looks like they're saying, hey, it's for this reason, but, uh, you know, 
reasoning, there's a bunch of different questions, right? Like, they can't just take Chinese people from Canada to China. So, like, what are they going to do? Go up to them and be like, yeah, you don't come with us. You know, stuff's going to happen. Or, you know, um, it's, I, I, I don't know. The whole thing is just weird to me. Extremely weird. And when you, like I said, if you do some Google dorking, so there's a line of text you can put in. And I'll say this right now. You can put in all in text and then colon, and then China Police Canada space file type colon PDF to get that to PDF files. Now, this is Google Dork. You can, yeah, like some Google how to do this. After what our Prime Minister has done, and, and he said, um, there is extreme, <laughs> extreme reasons to worry. But, you know, we're stuck with him for another three years. And in those three years, Anything can happen, right? So, like, here's a question, right? Why, why would China police be setting up in Canada when extradition exists? You can extradite people to China. I, like, there's, I, I, I don't know. I, I guess there's more questions than answers right now. <laughs> well, um, I'm not a big fan of the liberals, so no. uh, you. Uh, I mean, uh, I know there are probably some liberal listeners out there, and that's okay. But let's put it this way. We could not go to China and set up you know, anything Canadian there, right? As far as police stations go, as far as uh, anything of that matter. Well, obviously business, but I'm talking about what they're doing in Canada, right? And they're, and they're doing it freely because uh, I truly believe Justin Trudeau has an agenda with yep. the Chinese, I do and too. yeah, 100%, okay, we're not going to get into the COVID thing, because I know we'll piss people off, and mm. we're trying to gain listeners, not lose listeners, <laughs> um, I do have something that is kind of nice, and you guys will both kind of enjoy this, it's called Memory Lane, oh. and yes, and this is kind of cool, because, you know, Will, you being a millennial, and um, it's called Ask the Millennial, and I think it's going to be quite uh, humorous, to say the least. Jay and I, you can ask the old question. Hey, 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 I'm not an old. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you're an old geezer. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I I, I have a lot of experience with that. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that, that was actually our first, one of our first home phones. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Did you get the extended cord on, on, on the phone? Uh, you know, yeah. The one that was like yeah. 30 feet and you could go through the whole house and just yeah. tangle up the dog, the cat, and your brother. Yeah. My mother did that all the time. She, uh, she would actually go down to the long dial and you'd miss, you'd miss that one number. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> we got to start all over again. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was so, the most annoying um, part about it. Well, the funny thing, the funny thing was our our phone was on the wall. Right. Yep. Okay. And I was I was just a kid. I mean, I was like, oh, maybe five, six years old. I, if I had wanted to answer the phone or anything, I had to use a chair because I was just way too. And uh, I had I had two sisters, and they were teenagers. And of course, a, girl, a teenage girl and a telephone. <laughs> Good luck ever getting the phone. Well, my <laughs> My dad got fed up with it, so he cut. And you were almost kissing the dial. 
It was <laughs> it was the funniest goddamn thing. And uh, it was because of my sisters. How about the party line? Remember the party lines that were on the phones? You know, you, I ne- we never, I never had a party line. Oh, well, I, I didn't I've heard stories. <laughs> well, we, we, we used to live in uh, Woodstock, Ontario, and, you know, we, like, we, I'd be dating when we were country girls, and they had, they would always have party line phones. So, you know, the next thing you know is if you're having a conversation with your girlfriend, and then somebody's picking up the phone from some other, some other town nearby, because they were on a party line. And all of a sudden, they're just carrying on a conversation like you don't even exist. It was it was absolutely ridiculous, you know. And you go, you go, hey, do you want to hang out with the phone here? I'm on my phone to my girlfriend, and uh, oh, oh, sorry, sorry, uh, I'll go back to making my pie, you know. Mm-hmm. Like so, yeah, it was pretty pretty comical. But how about playgrounds? How they have changed? Like uh, the teeter totter. It was a large metal bar like thing. It had two small wooden sets, and then the person that you'd always you'd always say, oh, yeah, you get on the top there, you know, and then you'd be on the bottom, and then all of a sudden you'd get up, and the guy on the top just kind of, kind of go wham, and he'd land on his ass, right, because of the Peter totters. You remember that, Will? Yep, I sure do. Yep, yep. Oh. And then the swings. The swings is the funniest thing. That's where the whole set would move and tilt out of the holes as you're swinging. <laughs> remember that? Yeah, climbing those poles was... <laughs> Right, right, yeah, and, and then and then then they what they did is they went from those wooden swings because you were getting splinters in your ass because they you know they the, the swings weren't really well made as far as the wood part goes and they went with this kind of like burlap leather that you your your ass would be like hugging right around the damn swing as you're sliding and that was like painful if you get on that thing you know you're spending like you know a good half hour on it or whatever and your your ass gets chafed from the leather. So as far as the other stuff goes, the funny ones are the large horse with the giant copper spring. Do you remember that? Big, huge, massive spring. You get on that damn horse, and it just spun you. Like, yep, yep, yep. But the most lethal by far was the merry-go-round, that large metal round thing where the kids, you know, spin them and they get dizzy and sick, and they catch themselves underneath it, right, as they were falling. Because they'd be hanging on, and then the one leg is flopping underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do remember that one as well. I don't uh, know, man. Those monkey bars were pretty. Oh, the monkey bars. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you got yeah. the ones. Well, the biggest problem. You know, <laughs> you know, the biggest problem when we were when we were growing up is, you know, there were no safety concerns. No. You know, they built these. You know, they built these playgrounds. You know, on concrete. Yes, they did. Or hard you know, rubber. Really or hard, hard rubber. rubber. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. that be a break your arm. The bark mulch. Oh, the bark mulch. <laughs> you know, I mean, you go to these playgrounds now, and they're like, wow. You know, right. you flash back to the 70s, and they were like a death camp. Right? <laughs> you you know, yeah, like, do you remember the swings that were like, instead of the chain for the swing, it had uh, an old-fashioned rope? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. A nasty rope. That, yeah. That, didn't want to put your hands on. Mm. How about the large, high, long slide that was 100 degrees when you slid down it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but, like, you know, you went to the playground, and I don't I don't care who you were. You got hurt, you know, and you'd come home. All, and it was all fun. It was all like, you'd, yeah, I got scraped up today, Mom. You know, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, but you'd come home and the old man would look at you and go, ah, quit your belly again, it's a long way from your heart. Or walk away, walk it off. Well, do you remember you phone know. booths? Yeah. 
phone booths and calling cards. Calling cards I remember very well. Actually, I remember that in my early part of my trucking career. I didn't have, um, couldn't afford a cell phone uh, when I first started. So seven, eight, nine times a day to call one. Okay. I threw the thing out the window. Somewhere in the, I can't remember where I was. It was somewhere in the States anyway. I finally got fed up with the goddamn thing going off, but threw it out the window. And uh, he got me another one, and I wouldn't turn it on. I would just throw it in the truck and leave it alone. Finally, the guy fired me. The old tigers. When I paid you, you doing what you're doing. Yeah. (laughs) And you call me. Yeah, sure. How about how about the giant massive VCR machine that was sitting on top of the TV? And we would actually go to rent a movie. Um, I don't know if you you did this, Will, or you remember this, Um, but Jay and I we we actually rented movies at a movie store. From Blockbuster, right? Yeah, kinda. That's yeah. right. And then, but we had to rent these great big VHS things, right? These tapes. All the machines. Yep. And yeah, you know, I sometimes you'd have to. Re- sometimes if you didn't have a machine, they they give you the machine. And this thing was monstrous, man. Yeah. It was like thirty to forty pounds. You had to stick it on top of your TV. You know, of course, the TV that didn't work, right? Because we always did that, right? We always had the good TV, and then the, the TV that didn't work, we put it on top. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I don't know why we did that. I just, and you know what the funny, the funniest thing about those gargantuan um, VCRs is it didn't matter once everybody started buying them because they started to get reasonable. Right. Where people could afford, so everybody started buying one. Every house you went into, that goddamn clock flashed twelve o'clock. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> could set the goddamn time. That's right. That's true. Nobody That's could. True. Nobody could figure it out. No, that's very true. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. On top of the EV, and this is the reception you're getting, and, and, and yet it would come in good, right? Like, I actually do remember when, I, when TVs first came in trucks, and they were they were these box TVs, and do you remember them, Jay, I'm sure? Yeah. They had a, they had a little cubicle for the TV. Nope. And, huh? You don't? Yep. You don't? Okay, yeah, and I remember them. And they were about, they were probably about six inches wide across, right? They weren't very big at all, not even close. But you, uh, there was never an antenna, so you bought this stupid ass antenna that you had to put outside the goddamn TV, and you had to tape it like some duct tape or something on the side, and you know you, you had the crazy ass configuration to get your TV reception because what we get what is called air channels. Uh, a lot of you guys don't know that. We get air channels TV. So we'll get, sometimes we'll be in like Los Angeles and we'll get like 40, 50 channels, right? You know, it's always entertaining because you get to watch Latino women do some their big boobs, right? But, you know, because they, they, they just expose their, themselves. It's hilarious, right? You ever watch a, a Latina soap opera? It's, it's the funniest thing going, right? It, it really is. But anyway, well, there's some pretty good looking women though. Oh yeah, for sure. That's, you know, you always watch the news for that reason alone. <laughs> well, especially in California. I mean, they're all tan, right? So it's not like some of these geeks that we have in Canada. God, have you oh, have man. you have you seen some of the people doing the news? It, I'm serious. It looks like a flea market or a circus. They got dippity doo on oh, their hair, and they've got these hooky ass ties. Like, oh my lord. Um, but get back onto to uh, the toys. Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Oh, yes. 
Remember that well? Those things were awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I sure do. Those and the Hungry Hungry Hippos. Oh, Hungry Hungry Hippos. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Right, right. Or the Trouble. Remember the Trouble? Yeah. Same Trouble? Trouble, yes. Yes, I remember that. that dice with that, that little, it was in a dome. You couldn't touch the dice. Yeah. It was in a dome. You could never touch the dice. Yeah, it would pop up. It was almost like that dice had a disease or something, right? Yeah. You know, kind of, kind of, yeah, it makes all those weird pops. Then there's the SS, it was an SXS. SST Smash Up Derby set. Yeah, the pole where card. The, where the car actually blew apart. Yes. Pieces of it yes. came across. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then total, it got total, total, total choking hazard, but nobody gave a f except that. That's right. That's right. Um, remember the Evil Knievel motorcycle? The Evil Knievel. That it was the Evil Knievel stunt cycle. Yes. And and the travel trailer. Remember the travel trailer? And the trailer. travel trailer. Yeah. And you yeah. put it in that thing, and you put it in that 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 thing, and you yeah. and crank the shit out of it. Mm. That's right. And you push the button, and it took it off. Did, yeah, it just took off. It was cool. It was, it cool. was awesome, man. You could you could have evil the little evil doll. He could sit on the on the seat. You could have action figure. Action, action oh, yes. figure. Action figure. Girls play with dolls. We had action figures. That's right. Guys do have action figures. That's correct. Yeah, did you have well, not, not today, they have dolls. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true. True. <laughs> yeah, do you remember G.I. Joe dolls? G.I. Joe dolls? Vaguely, With yeah. I, 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 I was around for it, but um, didn't get to play much But G.I. Joe had a beard. Yeah, he always had a beard. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And, and, and we used to get Barbie, and Barbie would be, would be going out with G.I. Joe, eh? Right? Well, yeah, yeah because... Party with cheese on Ken. <laughs> no, <laughs> she just she just faked it. Oh, oh that's the deal. <laughs> she wasn't. What about Atari? Do, do you guys remember Atari? Oh yeah, with the oh yeah, <laughs> yeah with oh yeah, the two sticks. That was the hockey stick, right? <laughs> I mean, and, and then you played the tennis as well with the two blips, right? Yeah, and, yeah. Yeah. and that yeah, and you could we would play that for hours, hours. Like, oh yeah, like we would. We would get into fights over that goddamn thing. <laughs> yeah, we would. Especially the hockey. The hockey. Was oh, yeah. You, you, had the, you had two blips on one side, and one blip was shorter than the other blip, right? And, and yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember that one. And then later on, of course, you get Sega Genesis, right? That's oh, yeah. The, yeah. The cartridge well, actually, actually, the first one was ColecoVision. So I'm talking about the cartridges where you had to put the that. I know. Oh, it's 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 well, technically for cartridges, that would be the Super NES. Oh, okay. Yeah. You do remember oh, man, that. you guys are so ahead of yourself. I mean, there was the Atari. Yeah. Yep. The cartridges. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then it was in television. I mean, television came out with uh, cartridges. I didn't get and them. Then, and then ColecoVision came out. Right. And that's, that's where we were introduced to Donkey Kong and all that shit. Oh, the Mario Basically, Brothers. yeah. I remember and Mario that was ColecoVision was made by ColecoVision, which eventually got swallowed up by Nintendo. I, I do remember that one, but well, the one that I remember the most was with the cartridges, because you'd, you'd have to clean them out, you'd have to blow on them, you know, yeah. and sometimes they wouldn't work. Oh, yeah. You'd have to eat them off. I mean, you had to do a whole bunch of scenarios with that thing. Yeah, and then you'd have I, Take uh, rubbing alcohol on a cute right. thing, the little bar, little brass bars off. 
Right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How about cassettes? I, I remember cassettes. Remember you had that song, you're listening to that song, you're enjoying that song, and then all of a sudden it went, <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> And then you got to pull it out, and then you had to take a pen or a pencil yep. and start reeling it up and hope that it just, it's because you had to make sure that it was completely level as it was going in. Oh, yeah. yeah. It would twist. Sometimes it would twist. And you and you go, oh, that won't make a difference. So then you put it back in the cassette, and then, you know, we'll, uh, we'll find out more. Well, oh, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I can't say I really know, uh, but... Um, through talking, talking, um, he's not like any millennial I've ever heard. Oh, I said, oh, I, I, I appreciate that, Jay. <laughs> well, I appreciate that more than you know. <laughs> well, a lot of millennials get a bad rap. Right? Okay, I mean, I, I mean, I do know quite a few, uh, I guess, millennials, all of them. Um, I have to share this with you guys. I was listening to uh, Ask a Millennial Game Show very popular on a lot of podcasts. Sickle. He said, yeah, the Peter Chris. And so the guy goes, so that's your answer. Peter Chris is a popsicle. He goes, yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. And the other guy goes, no, no, no. Peter Chris is a politician in Kentucky. And so I was like, oh, my God, man. So he goes, you want to know? You guys are both wrong. And they go, no way. And then he says, yeah, Peter Chris was actually original drummer for Kiss. And, they, and then one guy goes, oh, my God, I hope Peter Chris is still is not alive. He'll probably sue me for calling him a popsicle. <laughs> it's going to be a very fun game show with you guys. Yeah, I talked to her a lot. and um, well, I, I it, her. It, it actually wouldn't be the first time I got beat by a, by a female, and uh, it probably wouldn't be the last. <laughs> well, it's not that you get beat by them, you know. You, you let them win. Yeah. At least that's, my, that's, my, that's always <laughs> my answer. Okay, so what's your other topic, Jay? In the radio from um, classic radio, uh, like Sansei, um Benny, and stuff right. like that. And my right. favorite, radio. Right. You know, Ray, uh, Gunsmoke was on the radio three years. Yeah, 19 it started with William Conrad, who his birthday on the 27th would have been born in the 20th. Sadly, he died. Uh, Jake in the background. He was quite a guy. So uh, he... Uh, a great narrator, I would say, in the same league, if not better, to me anyway, because I I listen to him all the time. But he's in the same league as Sam Elliott, and that's pretty and much all I got. I got all I got to say about it. Um, and more, if you, valuable if you get information a, from Jay. You know, if you guys get a chance, I mean, I I know I'm going to get a lot of uh, a lot of hate over this, but I've never seen done. I've never seen. Yes. Yes, I will be doing that. Well, I think uh, yesterday was a special day for you that you wanted to say something. For the uh, National Truth and Re- Reconciliation? Correct. Yeah. Yesterday was, everyone knows it as now, I guess, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. I'm pretty sure I said that right. Might have spelled it wrong, but, um, yeah, we went, um, we went out yesterday and, you know, did a couple things and we celebrated, but we 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 did it in uh, the most positive way uh, possible. And I mean, even though I'm not indigenous, there were graves found, and there there's still more to come. So we just yeah, we just gotta see how the next couple years plays out. But the truth, the re uh the rest, I guess, of the truth will uh will come out in time. 
I got a little tidbit of information for you, Will, on, uh, uh, you might want to look this up. It's quite interesting. Okay. Um, it's around your, uh, uh, your, uh, what the hell is it, truth and respect? Uh, yeah, truth, truth and... Uh, I know the whole... Uh, I'm, I'm bad with remembering terms. I'm really bad with this. But you want to look this up. Um, the Catholic Church ran those. Yep. Right? Now, they did horrible shit. And... Like, I know. I even know a guy that was in a f***ing orphanage, and he was raped by a nun. But he's passed away now. This happened way back in the 20s. But anyway, when the Catholic Church had those schools taken away from them, guess who ran them? Guess who was the head dickhead? Who? That, that a lot of people. A lot of people forget this. Trudeau's f***ing old man. He was the head of oh, Indian yeah. Affairs. Yeah. So my feeling on this is. Now, uh, there's a lot of controversy over this, right? The Indians got royally screwed because why? They trust Yeah, I mean, That's pretty safe to say. Hey, well, you know what? Why don't we take Trudeau's fortune away, including that uh, foundation of his, all the billions in there that he's f***ing the taxpayer out of, give it to the natives. Right? Yeah, that would you actually... Um... I mean, I, mean I, I think personally, when they get, like, a lot of land has been given, like, a couple of years ago in, in the Okanagan value. It also has healing powers. Give it back to them. Yeah. We shouldn't have taken it anyway, you know? So, but, you know, these are things that really are questions and that should be brought up, you know? Because, you know, there's there's a lot of you want truth and uh, reconciliation. Fine. I'm all for it. But go to the people that f***ing did it. Right. And, and make the you know, and make them pay, and pay they should. And I'll end that with one thing, real simple. The Roman Catholic Church, richest entity in the yep. world, needs to compensate those people. Bottom line, Absolutely. that's the last thing I'm going to say. Yeah. I, I, I agree 100%. And all the Pope did when he came over here <laughs> is he said a few Hail Marys and you're forgiven. And I'm sorry, and I'm sorry. Crock of share. Okay, guys, it's time to put your PJs on or whatever you like because I've got chapter one of temporary satisfaction. But once you hear it, you'll get an idea of Jasper Stevenson, the character that I met in this book. And um, you'll get an idea of where he's coming from. This is crazy. Women do this. And they actually last, I saw it last year on a, an infomercial in the States. And I goes, what the hell is that? They were wearing these shorty short shorts with tank tops. And, you know, they're usually very large-chested women, right? And, and, but that doesn't matter. But here's the thing. They, were, they put this giant chain, like, mesh thing on their arm that went all the way, like, down their hand, down their arm. And what they do, this will blow you out of the water. They stick that hand underneath the water in a cave, an underwater cave, and they actually stick the hand in down the throat of a catfish or whatever, and they pull it out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, there, there's a girl I follow, and that's what she does all summer. Unreal. And you keep telling me to get a girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> not. <laughs> oh, your time's coming. Wait until oh. Valentine's Day happens, buddy. So, well, she's got a, she's got, hey, yeah, that's fine. She's got to come fishing naked. <laughs> she's, got, she's got to be naked. 
hopefully our clarity's gotten better for you guys. So let us know again, please send in your comments to our emails um, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and we want to know what you think. Okay. Okay, so we're going to do temporary satisfaction, and we're working on chapter one, and it's called Living in the Big Cheese. Now, you got to remember, this is from Jasper Stevenson. This is a guy that I met way back when, and he's telling you his life story. Okay, so here we go. I was born as an accident, and not really planned in someone's life back then. This was by my 19-year-old mother, Ingrid May Stevenson who eventually gave birth to me. Ironically, it wasn't until my early 30s I found out I was adopted. In my early stages of life, I had originally discovered that when I was around two years of age, I was singing a melody, what my mom termed as the adoption song. Numerous decades later, I discovered that I would have a kind of repressed memory regarding this issue. The man who adopted me will always be my father. Carson Stevenson, and is the guy who helped raise me. According to information relayed by my mother, my dad once had a daughter named Nikki Marine, whom he chose to give up for adoption when he was only 16 years of age. I mention this fact for one reason, because I think when my dad was presented with an opportunity to adopt me, he didn't turn it down because of maybe his own regrets in losing his own daughter. Let's face it, fatherhood is more than just biology. The people who treasured you are your true lineage and the ones that own the titles of mom and dad. Never, ever forget that. I spent the terrible twos of my life living in southern Ontario. Canada is the town that made the renowned Ingersoll cheese. In fact, it was known at the time as Cheese Town and employed a large percentage of the townsfolk there. In 1866, a giant block of a 7,300-pound cheese was produced at the James Harris Cheese Factory in Ingersoll. The big cheese was exhibited in England plus the New York State Fair in Saratoga, New York. What made this cheese unique and special was the process in which they made it, starting with the local whey grain and the dairy cows used by the local farmers. The cows fed on good soil and plenty of sunshine to go along with it. This, in turn, created ideal moisture due to the closeness of the Great Lakes. This type of cheese also had a longer shelf life than regular cheeses, and the tastes were more flavorful, with a strong, robust tang to it. The color was more of a dark orange, but the essence and aroma were unmatched in the cheese-making process. In those days, I was primarily raised by my mother, though my mom's six sisters all pitched in to help in taking care of me. I can tell you one thing. We definitely weren't the Waltons. In fact, this household wasn't even a happy one yet either. It was a dog-eat-dog -dog existence, and often my grandmother would place each sister against the other to get her own way. We were a poverty-stricken household with very little food in the cupboards. As for me, well, I was a colicky baby as a toddler, but a bit of a night owl too. On occasion, it was usually my Aunt Doris who rocked me back to sleep on the nights my mother wasn't at home. Both my grandparents assisted my mother in helping with my early childhood. My grandfather, Gerald Biddle, was a rock, a real rock of a man, carrying a large build, but was quite unsociable in public and real stubborn. He was a struggling contractor that built many original homes in town. Gerald had two sons, Gord and Huey, who helped him out in the family business as much as they could. 
because they were still attending high school at that time. Oddly enough, there was an unusual kind of respect in this little town. The local folk were kind enough to converse with my grandpa, but when he turned his back, they often laughed at him due to his predicament of living with a wife and nine kids. Gerald owned a small uh, 1959 red Ford panel truck emblazoned with white letters that said J.H. Biddle and Sons Contracting. He always had this green thumb, along with his own green uh, greenhouse situated in the backyard. As a toddler, I helped him out with his large half-acre garden positioned behind a two-car garage he had constructed. The garden was immense and added with a long cement retaining wall that overlooked at McSnab's dealership, garage, and body shop. I spent many long hours with my mother sitting on that wall, watching the car haulers deliver automobiles to that car, to those cars, on many occasions. Apparently, I remarked to my mother that when I grew up, I would even drive those trucks. As fate had it, I was even employed in that short-lived career, as you will find out in book three, called Road History. My grandma, Nettie Biddle, was a small, slender woman, your average housewife, keeping busy doing the endless laundry in the household. We had an old-type ringer washing machine, so endless rags of clothing were piled up around the house, waiting to be dried. You see, my grandfather couldn't afford a dryer, so that's how the clothes got dried. He couldn't mistake the three-bedroom house I lived in either, due to its oversized design. It was built from him from the concrete foundation up to the main floor that contained nine kids, two adults, and me. Back then, my mom attended night school classes to attain her high school diploma. She dropped out of grade 10 because of, weird as this sounds, it was mainly her clothes. My mother had actually constantly been given hand-me-down garments from her cousins and siblings. In that era, blue jeans were popular, but weren't cheap either. Ingrid was quite embarrassed from the fact she was going to school looking dirt poor. Despite this, she became friends with a young man, Jake Hockley, a night school student in St. Thomas, Ontario. He was there studying to become an electrician, although his major was in construction. She had met him through a school friend, as he found my mom to be conversational and quite intelligent, something her large-chested friend lacked. So it was my mom's heart and mind that made him fall in love with her, not her body. I should also mention, later, Jake became a truck driver, hauling in the mines of northern Ontario. Maybe that's where I got my gear jammer jeans from. Who knew? As you might have presumed, he was the one who gave me life and I now know why he never married my mother. Jake was a real mama's boy, because his mother was a high society dame. Anytime he had to leave the woman, whether it was going out to his home or even going to sleep, she demanded of him to give her a goodbye or goodnight kiss. His mother often met with other high society women who encouraged their daughters they felt were a better class of women to date her only son. My mom came from a dirt poor family and were considered white trash. Mrs. Hockley sure didn't approve of my mother's relationship with her son, John. Therefore, it was strongly suggested that Ingrid was to stop seeing John by his own mother. Especially in those days, it was so humiliating and scandalous to have a 19-year-old woman pregnant out of wedlock. 
The way usually to get rid of the individual that did the dastardly deed was a cash bribe of sorts. The rich old bird basically bribed my grandfather a monthly stipend of $250 a month for child support. This was so nobody would even know who the real father was. The cash my grandfather got from Jake's family helped Ingrid to buy baby clothes, feeding formula, and whatnot. In the meantime, until it was actually established I was Jake Hockley's bastard son, my dear sweet Aunt Helene soon became involved in the situation. She was my grandfather's older sister who wanted to adopt me really bad, which would make put me in, in their family. Many times in my life I've been told by numerous psychics that she's one of my guardian angels who protects and looks over me. There were many occasions that I visited my special aunt as a youngster, and we were always very close with one another, too. And what I heard from my mother, I probably wouldn't have liked my birth father, Jake, because of his weak character. I later found out he died of a massive heart attack decades ago, and I'm certainly not the type that would look up his surviving family just to become part of someone else's. That's just not me. We had a very unusual neighbor, as he was African-American. His name was Melvin, who was like a big brother to me in many ways. They had a very diverse living situation, as he lived with his mother, Daisy, and stepfather, Percival. Melvin had a young son, Johnny, who had special needs, and on top of that, was very flamboyant in his character. As a young child, I found it very strange how he would dance up and down our street in this very bright yellow nylon chiffon dress. My mom told me that I'd always had this very confused look on my face, and when I saw Johnny wearing his dresses, I'm sure that they weren't one of the very first families to have a gay son living with him in that era, but they probably were. Again, it was night school when my mom met an up-and-coming young architect student. Eventually, he became my real father, who was known as Carson Stevenson, from Stockwood, Ontario. He came from a family of five kids who had an older sister, Bree, with brother Marvin, so he was the youngest. His father, Perry, was a baker and who eventually owned and ran three cafeterias at the well-known underwear factory, Harvey Woods. Perry's wife, Kay, was a seamstress that made the undergarments as well. So the story follows that my dad meets up with this young, beautiful, dark-haired woman who resembled the Hollywood starlet, Natalie Wood, and at that time, I uh, was pretty young when they graced each other's company, fell in love, and got married on Saturday, September the 18th, 1965. People were listening to Help by the Beatles, along with I Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones. On TV was the debut of the spy spoof series Get Smart. Star Trek showed their first episode, not to forget Dr. Seuss, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. This was the animated television special that had been adapted from his book, which was shown for the first time on CBS television. Nonetheless, my dad had taken an immediate liking to me and decided he would adopt me as his own son. That's where his nickname Carso came from, that I called him as a young tyke. Back then, we were living in an apartment as my mom was expecting again with my brother Chuck. Due to her rather difficult pregnancy, we were forced to move into my grandma and grandpa's house. It was there that I met Mrs. Baker from the adoption agency, and I constantly sang this song. 
my daddy Carso is going to adopt me soon, and Mrs. Baker's going to help daddy adopt me, I yelled out loudly. I walked around my grandma's house, touching every part of the furniture as I continued with the song. Nonetheless, this was just another popular child melody, referring to the Jesus Love Me song, as we all knew growing up. Subsequently, when I came into my second year, I found out I was going to have a new brother. I was told he was my birthday present, which arrived on Monday, February 14, 1966. And that is the end of chapter one. We'll go into the next chapter next week.